A quick hello and we're good to go. Welcome to the show, Olga Zajaksna. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Right. I'm very happy uh, to be here. Wonderful. I'm delighted to have you. Uh, it's a little bit delayed, but we're still um, having having this delightful conversation about the secrets of a good technical SEO audit. And luckily for you, I've got a super story. But before that, we're going to look at your brand serve. That's what I always do at the beginning. So I, I found your knowledge panel. Here you go. Uh, there's nothing in it. It's an empty knowledge panel. You have a KGM ID up there at the top. Um, I don't advise you to claim it because if you claim it, they'll just delete it. But it, it kind of looks good. Um, it's a bit sad that there's nothing in it, but it's definitely recognized you. And Google is starting to get to grips with who you are uh, and what you do. And if we look at the next screen, if you did try to claim it, there you go. That's the form you would have to fill in. Mm. And so I advise companies and people to get an entity home identified, which is the little world icon with the URL next to it, because then you claim it through Search Console. Sometimes you can claim it through Twitter or YouTube or Facebook. But if you have to actually prove who you are, that's the form. Okay. And it's horrible. And it's really, really complicated. And it's incredibly involved. So the best way to deal with your knowledge panel is to build it up and make sure that Google's understood either your Twitter account, your Facebook account, your YouTube account, or the website, and claim it automatically so you don't have to send them. It's a passport photo. Sorry, a, passport, oh. a photo of your passport, a picture of you, and screenshots of all your social accounts with you logged in. It's nuts. Yeah, but so you wouldn't advise me doing that. It's, it may not work, or it will simply take me too much time to do it. Well, because yours is empty, they'll just delete it because it doesn't actually serve any purpose. Mm -hmm. So what you would do better doing is maintaining that KGM ID that we saw mm -hmm. on the first screen and building on it until you get a photo, your name, uh, potentially a description, and maybe either an entity home, which is your website with a little world icon or a social icon. And at that point, you can claim it automatically without going through the process. So I would just have to wait and just like give Google more more clues of who I am, what I do, and it will yeah. simply be filled up kind of automatically. So you're the first guest who's actually asked me for advice. Most of them just go, yeah, yeah, whatever, my brand chip, who cares? <laughs> but yes, basically on your entity home, which is going to be your own personal website, you give it more information and you make sure that all of those um, corroborative sources point back to that and that they all give the correct information that you're giving on the entity home, which is your own website. And once you do that, you wait. And over time, Google will build up this understanding and this confidence. It will add a photo if it can find a photo that represents you that's fairly common around the internet. It will add your name. It will potentially add the, the work that you do and a description and your social accounts. And yeah, um, I would generally suggest claiming it when you don't have to go through that manual process is the best thing to do because that manual process is horrible um, and really, really difficult. Anyway, thank you for asking. Thank you for being interested in my favorite topic. Talking about my favorite topic, before we move on, we're going to have an Ask Me Anything brand search. So Olga's actually got in there before everybody else and has already asked a question. Um, but the Ask Me Anything for the brand search is next week. If we can have that on the screen, we're not going to have that on the screen. Yes, there we go. Uh, Tuesday, the 5th of July, after the Caddy Cube Tuesdays, we've got an Ask Me Anything for the Brand SERP. Um, I love this stuff, and I'm really looking forward to the questions. We've already got a couple of people with specific questions, but anything you want to know about the Brand SERP, your specific Brand SERP, 
that's the time to do it. You need to join the Facebook group, which is the URL down at the bottom there. And one more thing for a bit of housekeeping is the sponsors. We can go on with the sponsors and then we can get on with the conversation, which I'm really looking forward to for a really interesting reason, which I'll share in a moment. So here we go with the sponsors. Every week, you can join me on Caddy Cube Tuesdays. Um, it's incredibly interesting conversations with wonderful people like Olga. It's produced in partnership with WordLift as it has been since the very beginning. Now two years, which is absolutely wonderful. They're an AI powered SEO tool that does the heavy lifting for you. And today, well, our headline sponsor is Ahrefs, who are delightful and wonderful and a brilliant tool with everything you need to rank higher and get more traffic, which is what we all want, isn't it? Now, the reason I'm really looking forward to this is because I was contacted by somebody I worked with back in the day when I was playing a cartoon blue dog, which is up here on the poster behind me. Um, and I owe them a favor. And I haven't done an SEO audit in literally five years. Mm -hmm. So hopefully you're going to help me do the favor sure. for this person who helped me literally 15 years ago. So with an SEO audit, to do it properly and to not waste vast amounts of time, which is what I find I always used to do, where do you start? So uh, to be honest, I, I am like on this side uh, that I usually recommend spending a lot of time doing an oh, audit, right. especially okay. if we want to like uh, find everything that's there to find. But of course, uh, there is also a way of doing it uh, like only focusing on looking for quick wins, like the, the quick things we can improve and get the, the biggest benefit in the, in the shortest pe period of time. So it is possible. But the way uh, I would start is uh, by just looking into Google Search Console and going through the reports there, because usually the most immediate, the most important, the most pressing things are just, just there. So... This is always my my first step, even before crawling. Maybe the first, the very first step is like the manual review when I browse the site and just right. uh, see how it looks, how it loads, what's there, and then I, I ask for uh, for the access for the access to Google Search Console, and I like dive there. Right now, I really like kind of the the immediate thing he says. The first thing I do is surf the site to see what it feels like as a user and to see how fast it is and see how well laid out it is in the organization, which is what I'm kind of reading into that. And then look in Search Console. Um, so you're looking at as a human and then you'll look from, from the front end and then you're looking at from Google's point of view from the back end, as it were. Yes, um, exactly. what, do you, what do you first look at in Search Console? So usually I check um, the performance report to see the trend, the trend uh, the site is following, whether the site is growing, whether there were some traffic drops or traffic increases, like I want to see the direction in which the site is is going. And of course, because it also depends on the, the purpose uh, of the audit. Sometimes it's like just a general audit to find the things to, to be improved. Sometimes I am... I'm hired to look for uh, the reason uh, for a traffic drop. So then my kind of first focus may differ, but I check the performance report and then I check the coverage report to see uh, how many pages are indexed, whether maybe there are some pages in this uh, crawled, current, currently not indexed bucket, which may indicate some indexation problems. So I basically go through all those reports, uh, and then I have some idea of what's going on and 
what how I will maybe uh, how my focus uh, on, on on during the audit will will look like. So if you've got a situation where a lot of pages have been crawled but are not indexed, but in your opinion should be indexed, what what do you do? Because that's one of the problems we're facing. Yeah. <laughs> luckily, <laughs> luckily for me, you had the answer. <laughs> so yes, uh, usually unless there's like a technical problem, but then those pages wouldn't be in the in this in this section. Uh, I look for things uh, that can be improved in terms of EAT. Usually, um, it is like uh, the site is producing a lot of content, and those are like short pages. They do not bring any value, anything new to the table, and very often this is the the reason. So EAT, EAT uh, overall quality improvements of the site, but this is usually a very long uh, process, and it sometimes takes months for for, for uh, to be able to rebuild the site, like give Google more signals to trust it. So usually it's EAT, I would say, uh, from right. my experience. So the idea of kind of thin content is something you mentioned at the beginning, but thin content that actually serves a purpose for the audience of that specific brand or company, if mm -hmm. they've got sufficient EAT and it is potentially useful, then that will potentially move them from the non-index to the index type. Yes, that's, that's what we would like to see. And, uh, yeah. This is this is like I, I think like the best uh, the best thing to 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 do in in in, in such is especially if we think that uh, that those pages should be indexed and also uh, I think we can for example sometimes it is uh, like the owner claims that uh, they have uh, the, their site is high quality and those pages should mm. be indexed but when a different person looks at it. And they are uh, maybe more. Uh, they 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 are not attached to this site because th this this is not their site. They may look at it differently and find that this this is not really quality content. You are simply repeating uh, the things or spinning, or you are not even like writing your own content. You are, for mm. example, using only AI. But but that's of course a different story with AI content. We, yeah, so. we we won't get into that. But <laughs> yeah. one thing I do find with clients, and and I'm interested to to understand, there are two questions actually. Here. Number one is EAT or kind of convincing Google of your expertise, your authoritativeness, and your trustworthiness. As you said, takes time. How do you keep them on board for that long period of time when they're trying to do that and there's nothing truly measurable? And the other is referring to what you were saying before. Is they say. But we are the best in the market. We're loads better than our competitors. And they kind of feel, because I know it, or I feel it, everybody should see it. How do you convince them to look at it from that objective perspective? So uh, I, sh I look for, for the pages, which uh, for the sites, which in my opinion are like meeting those criteria. And I say that maybe we may think about, like, for example, uh, in the case of medical content, maybe we may think about uh, extending that content. Maybe we may think about hiring a doctor who, who would proofread that content and like add a few paragraphs and maybe sign this content content with their name that their that this content has been medically uh, reviewed. And assuming that this doctor exists and Google knows that uh, he exists or she exists like have have some information in in their knowledge graph about that person so so 
I look for the competition. Uh, if I find something, I say we should do something similar, or usually something similar and way better, so uh, mm -hmm. so that we can we can compete in, in that respect. Right. I, I find that really interesting is that the first thing we talk about is pages that aren't indexed and you talk about EAT rather than a technical solution, which is for me delightful um, because that just demonstrates to me the, the shift in focus of SEO over the last kind of seven or eight years from this kind of very technical geeky point of view to a very marketing proving your credibility point of view. Yes, because especially with Google Search Console, if there is a technical reason for a page uh, that it is not indexed, then it will be shown in a different kind of bucket under, yes. uh, I think it's under errors, for example, and Google is telling us that this, this page has a no-index tag and Google believes that uh, this page shouldn't have a no-index tag or that canonical address uh, has been selected like different differently from what the user declared uh, and other things like that so in in most cases we are able to detect technical errors with a crawl or with with google search console but this specific uh, uh, crawled currently not indexed or discovered currently not indexed is like it's usually like attached to eat quality right brilliant okay what's the next step so GSC, uh, GSC, then I have like my own process defined. Uh, I have my own uh, template, uh, which is based on, on many audits I created. And I simply go uh, through that template. Uh, I don't uh, rely on automated audits uh, that tools create. So I follow this template. And to be able to follow this template, I need to crawl the site. Uh, I usually crawl the site with at least two crawlers, two separate crawlers. It is uh, it is Sitebulb, which contains more information, mm -hmm. gives our gives us more explanations, and with Screaming Frog, which which usually gives us like just raw data for us to interpret. Right. So no, okay, because I was actually looking at both of those. I found, as you said, Screaming Frog is really simple. You just it, it it's like. I don't know, a dog, and you just set it running. I don't know if that's what dogs do. And Sightball kind of takes its time and brings this data together and provides you with kind of advice and different insights and is perhaps more complex? Uh, maybe it's more complex, but I think Sightball would be, for example, better for, for a person with less experience because Sightball has right. those explanations. Whether when this this issue that it highlights is actually an issue because in very often when right. a tool highlights something as an issue it's our tasks as, as seos to decide whether it is indeed an issue for that site so sideball has all those clues uh, and within the tool you have links to other uh, to other um, to their documentation that describes right. those uh, those and their documentation, their guides are so extensive that if you like uh, do one to audits and follow and read everything from T to T, like it's mm. you can really learn a ton. But that it will take a ton of time as well <laughs> to go through. Right? Yeah. So they really take you by the hand and walk you through it. So if you're a beginner, it's great. And if if you're an expert like yourself, you 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 can see what they're getting at at a glance. And why do you actually run two different crawls? I always like to have the data from two different sources because those those tools look differently. They group data differently. They may even check some things differently. So I always like to have the comparison. Even though I follow my own uh, my, my own checklist, 
uh, Sidebulb has uh, their own checklist. And once I, I'm finished with my checklist, I also check uh, manually check the, the errors that Sidebulb thinks my site has and, and analyze whether this is really something I should be worried about. I just like to like double check if maybe I missed something that, that wasn't like so easy for me to spot at, at first glance. Now, there's another question for an audit that you give to a client is I always tend to try to explain everything. So I explain what I looked at, why it isn't important, what I looked at here, why it is important. Do you do that? Or is that a complete waste of time? And you should, because somewhere on the line, I want to share my understanding of what's going on. And also I want to indicate all the work I've done because I'm quite proud of myself. Sure. Is, so yeah. Clients get drowned in that or, or am I doing the right thing? Uh, I'm doing the same thing, and I think right. this is the right thing. They should they should know what we did, where they should know why this specific thing matters that we want them to change or optimize. So, not not all clients read our 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 audits uh, from start to finish. Not all clients implement, but they should have it complete. And uh, I also what I also do uh, I I've started doing recently is that. In addition to creating this extensive uh, spreadsheet with different explanations, I also shoot a short video where I walk through the audit and like mm. just show the basic, the most, the most, the most uh, important uh, mistakes I found. And uh, and some clients already told me that this is like so. Uh, this is a game changer because now they yep. they understand so so much more. And it, and in addition to that. I also have a post audit call where I like go through the audit one one more time with the client and tell them exactly what's going on yeah. and what I want from them. <laughs> yeah, we've just had a post screen. Not every client reads the audit, even if they paid for it. Quotation from Olga. But it is very true. The number of clients who've got a, a report stuck in their drawer and then they call somebody else in and they'll say, oh, this is the report the last person gave me. And you say, did you do anything? And they say, well, no, it's just been sitting in the drawer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But coming back to the video thing, uh, that's absolute genius. It's one of those really simple things that we don't think to do. Because we send in the report and we think people will understand it, but they don't have our point of view. And if you just walk them through the overall kind of report, you're saying you do it in a Google sheet, if I understand correct. Yes. And point them to the things that they really need to be paying attention to. Then perhaps that motivates them to actually do something and not just stick it in the drawer and wait for the next SEO audit from the next SEO expert who comes along. Yes, that's that's my hope with with that, and I think it's it actually helps me achieve this goal a bit, and uh, and I feel like that maybe because I when I when I do an audit, even though I try to explain as many things as, as I can, I still probably make a lot of assumptions that someone knows what I mean here. And if I show them exactly what I mean, uh, I think it's 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 simply like a bit better. Make, makes my audit a bit more under, understandable for them. Right. And and what are the primary things you're looking for? I mean, you started off with content that isn't indexed that should be indexed. Um, what what are the next things you're really looking for? And we've talked about EAT. That's obviously incredibly important. So. Uh, I walk through everything that's in GSC and every every everything that's not uh, okay that's there. Then I 
uh, crawl the sites and I go through like basic technical checks. Like I mm. check the sitemap, I check robots, uh, robots text, I check canonical tags, I check directives, different directives, whether they, they're, for example, conflicting. I check speed, all those technical things. But in addition to that, I have like the, the entire section uh, devoted to EAT, as I mentioned. And in this section, I have all those questions that Google uh, listed uh, in their blog post about Google updates listed there. And I, uh, and I also try to answer those question, questions that Google is asking us to ask about our sites. So I go through those questions and... Right. Oh, um, so, sorry. So you're trying to answer the question from the client's perspective? Yes, yes. Like, for example, would you recommend the third, like, I, I don't remember how many of those questions, like, is this content original or does it draw on or on resources that are trusted, something like that. So I try to, of course, it's not always possible for me to answer all of them, but I try mm. to at least show them that uh, these are the things Google is looking for and they don't have any of them so right. <laughs> so i try to or they have most of them <laughs> depends on the case <laughs> yeah no no it's another brilliant simple idea or simple brilliant idea depending on which way you're 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 looking at it uh, how many questions are there in that um i blog don't blog? remember to be honest but i think of because i also collected the questions from from the uh from their post about uh google product reviews so i think i have a total of 30 maybe 40 questions i'm not sure at this point because i'm okay well, can you share the, the two links of the two google blog posts so that other people can compile their own lists um yeah. with us so that we can post it on the pages on caddy cube and on youtube yeah because uh, I, I really like that idea because it makes your your uh client look in the mirror yes exactly which they never do do they <laughs> yes exactly 100 percent. right they could say I know we're great. All our customers love us. And that's the interesting thing is they say, well, all our customers ring us up and tell us all the time. You, you're saying to them, but Google can't hear your phone call. Yes. But Google yes. doesn't know. You need to put this online. How do you go about that? And to actually kind of take this idea of the, bringing the offline online, is that something you advise people to do? So in that respect, um, if if the client, uh, the site, for example, does not have any section where they actually share the opinions they have, so I usually uh, recommend adding or at least like uh, embedding uh, the feed from Google My Business, uh, GMB, now it's Google Business Profile, I think. Uh, so embedding those comments or showing those stars or if they have a lot of clients, happy clients, I also encourage them to reach out to those clients. Maybe two of them or three of them will be happy to record a video, a video testimonial and add it to the site. So I'm trying to, if they have happy clients, I try to put those happy clients on the site so that other future clients and Google will see that the sentiment here is positive. Right. Okay. But making a video for a client, so it's your client's client, which is started. Yes. Yes. Next yes. Really the client's client's client, but let's yes. come back as that. Getting them to actually record the video saying how wonderful you are, is that, how, how do you go about it? Because getting somebody to record a video is actually quite difficult. Yes. I know Anton, getting people to record videos to promote webinars is phenomenally difficult. How do you get them to do it? 
So uh, the, the success rate isn't very high here. So oh one of my clients is now currently in the process of doing that. So we'll see how it goes. <laughs> right. Okay. And for, for the videos, you would do subtitles and transcripts? Mm, I, I think so. Yes. I would like oh, yeah. to. Yes. Yes. Wonderful. I'd, I'd like the VTT, VTT files and transcripts. I'm, I'm terribly, terribly keen on them, especially after talking to Amelia from WordLift about mm -hmm. the, the metaverse. And we were talking about that earlier on with how is Google analyzing this video? And it really does help for it to have the manually created subtitles yeah. because it knows YouTube gets it wrong. But also understanding it, um, Paul Andre was talking about the fact that it, it, it likes text on the screen. He, he was saying that it reads the text on the screen. And then here we've got a problem, which Amelia was talking about, is my image is reasonably clear, except that I've got this green thing coming out of one side of my head and a black thing coming out of the other. And then you've got two ears. Yes. <laughs> so Google might misunderstand that. Yes, yes. Anyway, yes. Back, to, back to site audits. Uh, we, what, 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 what are your priorities for a site, or does it depend on the site? Uh, I would say that depends on the site and the purpose of the audit. If if the purpose is to find what happened, why the site lost traffic, then uh, then my priorities will be like simply to find the re the reason what happened and uh, propose some solution. Right. My particular friend who has a problem doesn't have a problem with dropping traffic. They just want to kind of move up to the next level. Mm -hmm. What what are the priorities? I mean, imagine that it's indexable, sorry, crawlable, indexable, and that there aren't any major problems with non-index pages. What are my top three priorities to help my friend move to the next level with a site that doesn't have any fundamental technical mm -hmm. issues? So I would say uh, one thing I usually do is I, I list all the pages, but of course it depends on how, how big the site is. Uh, then I um, pull the data from GSC or of Ahrefs, about the uh, the keywords for which those pages rank, I, I put it on in one spreadsheet, like with positions, and I look for some relatively nice keywords where the site ranks relatively well. Like for example, on on, on position uh, on page one or bottom of page one or page two, and mm. if those keywords actually make sense, uh, I I map them in the spreadsheet to to those URLs or uh, or I. Or, or I look for for the keywords that those pages can rank for. That 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 of course depends on on the type of of the site. And then I recommend optimizing uh, like basic on-page optimizations for those keywords. If if the optimization hasn't been done, if we do it like we optimize titles, H1 tags, we add those keywords somewhere in the text, and of course uh, in internal links, then the chances are this will greatly improve their positions for those keywords. So so on-page SEO, basic stuff, internal linking again, because there are, I often, many times I saw the site which had basically no internal linking. Uh, they have like this load more button when only if you right. click lo load more, you mm. had uh, blog posts. And uh, for example, the paginated, uh, there, there was no pagination and the uh, categories on the blog had a no index so google was basically unable to see maybe even if google saw those uh, those blog posts and indexed them still there was no internal linking between them so and mm. for example all blog posts uh, had uh, read more 
as as their mm. internal link. So usually okay. with just those basic on-page things, we can we can achieve a lot. Absolutely brilliant. That was delightful. And I'll now tell you a secret. The friend from back in the day when I was a, a blue dog is me. And oh. the problem <laughs> is with my own websites. And the internal linking is exactly where we're falling down. And luckily, we've just got start, so somebody starting working on it. Um, so you've just basically helped me out by ensuring that I'm confident that we've done the right things in the right order. And Jean-Marie, as you do this work, Olga says it is phenomenally important. Stick at it. We're going to make it happen. Yes. And Olga, from what I understand from what you're saying is you're really somebody who, who believes that doing it manually, creating these sheets manually, creating the reports manually and analyzing everything manually is incredibly important, including the internal linking, I would suspect. Yes, yes. Of course, we can try to automate it a bit, but I still believe that this human human element is 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 necessary a human uh, analysis because we I at least now I think we can we are able to spot more like patterns than machines can. So brilliant. Even recently, oh. like even uh, sorry to interrupt. Even today, I was I was doing um, internal linking analysis for a site, and uh, some AI uh, tool uh, matched uh, the pages which should be linked to one another. But my task was to go through that and make sure that the tool uh, made the right choice. And in most cases, it didn't. So yeah. if I were just to listen to what the tool suggested, it would be a mess. So I needed to like make my own decision, which of those suggestions really makes sense. Brilliant. No, you've, you've really, really made me happy. You've really reassured me and I've cheated terribly by getting you to help me with my own SEO. Um, <laughs> and I'm, I'm really glad I spent a whole day doing a spreadsheet about all the pages we've got and, and doing the manual work. And I was thinking, have I wasted my time? Are no. we wasting our time doing it manually? The answer is no, definitely brilliant. not. That was a very definitive no. Thank you so much, Olga. That was absolutely delightful. Thank you, everyone, for watching. I thought that was wonderful. I got a lot out of it, personally. Another piece of free advice for Jason, this time from <laughs> Olga. And next week, uh, we're going to have another CaliCube Tuesday, same time, same place, on YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter, depending on where you're watching. And it's Yuval Ackerman, selling more and better with ethical email marketing. We had a quick conversation with Yuval, and she's absolutely brilliant, and I love the fact that she's talking about ethical email marketing because email marketing tends to be incredibly aggressive and she does it in a really positive manner that works just as well and i'm really looking forward to that so could you pass the baton please sure sure so yuval i am passing the baton to you here here <laughs> it's best <laughs> i will Thank be watching you, you next week <laughs> thank you that's absolutely lovely i love passing the baton it's one of my favorite moments after the entire episode before where you shared so many great insights. Thank you so much, Olga. Thank you, you get the outro song. A quick goodbye to end the show. Thank you, Olga. Thank you. It was very lovely. And thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. That was delightful. And thank you, Anton, for behind the scenes. <laughs>